You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. What up, Jake? What is happening? It is a Tuesday morning. We are ready to rock and roll for the next two hours. You can join the conversation on the Stuart Shelby State from Hotline slash Text Line 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Uh, a little bit of a strange day on this Tuesday. We have an array of subjects and topics. A lot of different things taking place, Jake. Yes. I feel like my – am I good? My mic's on? Okay. Yeah, your mic's on. All right. Can you hear yourself? No, I can't hear myself. So I'll turn on the headphones. It feels man. a little strange. First um, time in the studio. Yeah. Um, yes, we do. We have a lot of different things going on. We've got free agency coming oh. up tomorrow. Um, we've the got clock s- continues to tick on the Saints. We're yeah. like, ah, it's not a big deal. Look at this thing worked out with Drew Brees before free agency kicks off. And then now, look, here we are. We are up against the the wire, up against the gun, and there still is not a deal worked out. You would think that at some point over the next uh, what six to twelve hours, we'll hear something from the Saints on a new contract for Drew Brees. Now, there is some talk out there. There aren't any confirmed reports, but there is some talk uh, on, on, in the Twitterverse. Uh, Brian Beanamy, who apparently has uh, a radio show down south, mm. um, he, says, he says, I'm hearing the Breeze deal is done. Two years, $46 million. I don't know the guaranteed money as of now. Deal to be announced tomorrow. Now, he tweeted that yesterday talking about today Mm. um and then andy holloway of the fantasyfootballers.com you know that site don't you Mm -hmm. he said he heard breeze will re-up with the saints for two years 48 million so there is some talk at least nothing nothing's confirmed yet but that's good to see that some rumors are floating around for all the love between the two sides it just always seems like it always has to go right down to the wire and then of course and then they opened up the the possibility. I think it started uh, yesterday, where teams could actually start tampering, yeah. and of course uh, start offering Drew Brees, and they could start calling. Now, whether or not Drew Brees and his representatives answered the phone and listened to some of these offers, who knows? But there has been one huge domino that has fallen, and that being, according to Adam Schefter, that the uh, Broncos have uh, picked up Case Keenum as their new quarterback. Yeah, they they picked up Case Keenum and. The deal there is they're likely going to overpay for him, but I think what they want to do is they want to get a proven quarterback in there while they still have that great defense put together. So get a quarterback who can who can give you much more offense than, you, than you've been getting while you have that great defense in place. Yeah, you'll overpay now, but maybe you can go out and win a championship. Yeah, you look as they must have uh, kind of weighed their options here with the fifth overall pick. They must feel like the time is now, or perhaps Case Keenan gives the best chance to win right now instead of taking a quarterback and looking ahead to the future. But then again, wasn't it just Paxton Lynch they signed, uh, got in the draft in 2016? I guess they're pretty much uh, saying that's not going to work <laughs> out the for guy. them. No, uh, and Keenum had a great year last year. He completed 67% of his passes, threw for 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. You know, you look at the Vikings last year, they're built similarly to the Broncos in the fact that they're a defensive team their 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 strength is defense in case keenum was good enough to get them all the way to the nfc you know title game so maybe the broncos are thinking we get keenum in here we can have similar results uh we'll talk a little saints football with gus cattengill he will join us at eight o'clock for his weekly visit uh drew Brees was in the building yesterday and uh, we're gonna have some sound from uh, zach street coming up later in the show as he formally in a formally retired from the national football league uh, I got to admit, I, I couldn't watch, stop watching it. It was good. It, it was, was just so a nice uh, mixture of you know, emotion, comedy, and you can see why he's been a clubhouse leader and so well-liked in this franchise for so long. Zach Streif retiring from the NFL after 12 years. We've got two clips coming up later in the show we'll share with you where he you know, pays tribute to Drew Brees and also Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. Yeah, when he pays tribute to Drew Brees, and you can see Drew Brees in the crowd, just he, he's trying to hold it together, but you see the tears falling. 
That's emotional stuff, man. That, that was really good. As I watched that, and then I saw Drew Brees' reaction, and I started wondering, he's probably thinking, well, I don't know what Drew Brees thinking, but thinking, hey, this, this is going to be me up here in a couple of years making this same kind of speech. Yes, but I also think it's it means a lot when a peer of yours is up there when he doesn't have to talk about you at all and he makes he makes very clear in his speech that what he loved about his career was that he got to block for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he talked about the stuff that Drew Brees did behind closed doors. That's what I think really struck a chord with him. Uh, we'll share that with you later in the show. Other headlines on this Tuesday morning. Plenty of uh, college basketball news and notes. Let's start with just the local squads. I made my way up to Grambling uh, last night for the selection show party. Do Once tell. again, uh, Grambling hit it out of the ballpark. Yeah, it looked like it. Just looking at your pictures and yeah. the video. Uh, they are the most excited 15th seed in the country. <laughs> A couple of things and news and notes from the, the selection show party. Once again, just it was so well done. Uh, they made it a big production, and rightfully so. I mean, this team and this program haven't been in the big dance since 1999. You got the band in there, of course, the fans. You got strobe lights. You got a big screen up there. You got a huge stage. It was just cool. It, it felt like something that should be recognized, and it certainly was. And it was nice to see the girls getting this kind of recognition and being in the spotlight. Well done, once again, by Grambling Athletics. The, the band's a nice touch. Having the band in there is, is a very good touch. Kim Mulkey, actually, and that's the announcement came down that it will be uh, Grambling versus Baylor. And Kim Mulkey yesterday in her press conference said, they better bring the band. <laughs> she just wants to see the Grambling band. Uh, I did think, find it a little curious, though, and they're, they're announcing the brackets. And, of course, uh, UConn, most thought Grambling was going to be a number 16 seed. UConn's name comes up, and it was not Grambling on the other line. There was a big sigh of relief. I bet, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Baylor's no slouch, though, with just uh, two losses on the year. Yeah, I mean, Baylor has a great program, too, but let's face it, UConn is the face of women's basketball. We got some sound from uh, Grambling's athletic director, uh, Paul Bryant, coming up later in the show, and some sound from Lady Tigers we'll share with you later in the week. Uh, late last night, news coming down from the WNIT that the Lady Texters would be involved. And then, of course, around 10 o'clock, the news coming down that Louisiana Tech will play host to Missouri State in the WNIT on Thursday night. Also, uh, the other news, and of course, you heard from Keith Richard yesterday, the Warhawks continue to uh, get ready for Austin P as they will play in the College Insiders Tournament. And then, of course, the WNIT, or just the NIT, that is, U L L L L L versus L S U, and now we actually have a couple storylines for this game. Yes, thankfully we do. Uh, this is one of those things where you know you got LSU versus U L L, and of course, of course, there's a rivalry there that, that people don't want to talk about. It's kind of like uh, Tech and and U L M, where you know Tech people don't consider a rivalry. Some U L M people do. There's always debate on whether it's a rivalry or not, but here with LSU and ULL, this is a matchup that I personally really want to see because I think ULL is deserved, has claimed to maybe be in the best basketball team in the state. You know, I mean, look at what they did in the conference, 16 and two in conference. I know they lost out in the conference tournament, but this team is really, really good. Now LSU, on the other hand, uh, you know, they play in the SEC. They they probably feel like you know they've they've played a much stiffer schedule than ULL. Well, when it comes down to seeding, LSU got the nod. They were the three seed, three seed, and ULL was the six seed, so ULL has to go over to Baton Rouge and play. So this obviously chaps their hide a little bit, and usually it's behind the scenes and you don't go public about, hey, we got the shaft here <laughs> on having to travel to LSU. Usually. Uh, Bob Marlin, a uh, little dry, the head coach from the Cajuns, but I think he got his point across yesterday previewing this game. What do you think, Jake? Uh, let's let the people decide. All right. We've got the clip here for you. They have not been very responsive in uh, games in the past, so it's a great opportunity. We would like to play this game at home. Uh, our athletic director reached out to uh, the commissioner this morning and also to a couple other people trying to get a read on the seating. Uh, since our RPI is much better, our record is much better, uh, 
you know, we feel like our gym's better. There are a lot of things that uh, say that we should be a higher seed than we were. We got the second best record in the tournament out of the 32 teams. Uh, but uh, it is what it is, and we're excited just to be playing a short trip and go down the road to take on an LSU team that's going to be excited to play. A lot of times you get in the NIT and the, the SEC teams that finished tied for ninth or whatever they did uh, are not very interested in playing at this stage of the year, but they'll be interested because it's a big step for them. They've not been very good. We've had a better RPI in team than, than them the last couple of years in the state. So uh, with that, I'll take questions. <laughs> I love that on so many different parts of and points. Well, he, first of all, you he said should, he, The only thing he, did, he left out, he says, he should have said our, our women are, are beautiful. They're more gorgeous than the <laughs> ones that our girlfriends and wives are hotter than theirs. First of all, you nailed it. He is so dry. So when he's given out, when he's blasting LSU, it just comes across as like he's just talking normal. But man, he is saying some things. The the um the, the RPI they haven't been very good yeah. lately. We have a better RPI than them. It's true though. It is true. Yeah. But usually you don't get that. Our man. gym's better. You usually get coach speak at this yeah. point. Yeah. Not the great. case. That is great. That's awesome. Tied man. for ninth in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That look. That's uh. I'm happy you said it because yeah. it's it's gonna add some hype to that matchup. Yeah. And now you know. You're gonna. You should get the best at LSU. I mean, if they're if they want to answer the bell, right? I mean, if they yeah. have any fight in them, they're gonna come out and, and try to try to prove them wrong. And then just what we've heard from Will Wade this year. Oh, Will you Wade's always think, fiery. Yeah, yes, you don't think this is gonna. Oh, this is all over yeah. the locker room today. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. This is everywhere. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're gonna have to replay that later on again because that that is good stuff right there. Yeah, that is good. That that is refreshing. You know, just uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of bitterness in that, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a lot of, you know, what I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being overlooked. And we had a great season, and yet we have to go over there and play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing coming out from this matchup, and it always felt like. LSU thought they were above, and they didn't want to get in the fray of the whole name game with ULLLL. And now that, of course, it's being thrust right into their face, they now are getting a little uh, irritated by the situation in the name game with Louisiana. Explain. The name game, well, where the Cajuns want to be just called Louisiana. Right, no, but I mean like Well, what? but in the past, it's just always felt like it's the other schools in the state up, uh, upset about – you know, them trying you're saying to, LSU's probably going to be upset about that. No, they are upset about it. All you got to do is look at different reactions now from fans because it's being thrust into their face. Where you know the Cajuns want to be referenced as Louisiana, yeah. Louisiana, and of course now they're like, well, what, what, what's up with this? Well, where have you been? This has been going on for the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I thought you meant like somebody from LSU made a comment about that. But yes, I obviously the fans have. That's been a thing, but honestly, Aaron, I, I I don't think LSU fans pay too many too much close attention to that. All right, like the look more at, I, just look at uh, Twitter over the, the course of the I last see, two days yeah, and see how that was played. I, out. The more I see, like back in the day when that first started, yes, you saw it, but today, like I just see a lot of uh, tro trolling going on. Like they call them different names, and it's just it's like it's fine. I don't know. Maybe it heats up because they're playing. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's exactly the point I'm making. And we'll just see what kind of reference they use when uh, they tip off tomorrow. Yeah. We'll see. I wonder what's going to be on that uh, PMAC scoreboard. Mm -hmm. yeah, 888-993-7762. A few of the headlines on this Tuesday morning. College baseball, you look at the schedule. The week that ahead is ahead in midweek games. Do have one with the uh, Duncan Dogs, of course, the Duncan Dogs, the Diamond Dogs squaring off against Little Rock later this afternoon. Yeah, Tech plays at Little Rock at 4 p.m., and ULM plays at Northwestern at 6 p.m. A couple other midweek games later on. you got Grambling versus Elkhorn State. This is not a conference matchup this weekend. The Tigers uh, play host to Southern, big arch rival coming in. And, of course, uh, LSU versus South Alabama in a midweek game tomorrow. Yes. And Missouri in a three-game series this weekend. They got a big uh, college uh, high school baseball game tonight as well. Yes, we do. West Washita playing at Sterlington. Two two really good clubs going at it. Sterlington's still undefeated. West Washita just went two and two in a, another brutal tournament. They've had a a really tough schedule as as of late. So 
Yeah, uh, that should be a really good one tonight. Uh, Sherman says LSU is the only school that can derail this name game ULL is playing. We shall see. It's all part of uh, what's going on today on the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pancake. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Look forward to putting a bow on the high school basketball season. We've got two championship coaches. They'll be joining us in the 7.30 segment. From Summerfield, Randy Carlisle will join us at 7.40 right after Coach Carlisle. will be joined by Ravel's Damon West. Where do the Hornets need to be ranked among the great teams in Northeast Louisiana as they have wrapped up a perfect season? You'll hear from Coach West and Coach Carlisle coming up in the 7.30 segment at 8 o'clock. Gus Cattengill will join us. We'll talk a little uh, Saints football at 8.30. Lane Burroughs, as we start our weekly segments with Louisiana Tech's head baseball coach, she will join us at 8.30. And it's March Madness. Are you excited, Aaron? I don't yes. sense any excitement. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. you got to be fired up. I haven't up. worked on my bracket yet. I'm hoping at some point today I'll get that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we'll be sure not to copy it because uh, if it's anything like your bowl picks, we'll steer clear of that. 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline slash text line. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97 headquarters in Ruston. I don't know if you're like me, Jake, but I'm a sucker for a Hall of Fame speech or a retirement speech. And there was one that was delivered yesterday from Zach Streif. Takes up some notes up to the podium like, eh. He's not going to do it from the cuff. And then what happens then, as he goes through it, it appeared to be five or six pages, really some just gold. And he said he he rewrote it several times and he condensed it. But, man, some really good stuff. Uh, Outpouring of love towards this state, towards the fans, and, of course, to some of his teammates and, of course, his former coaches and GM. Yeah, it really was great. It was something that um, I'm like you too, Aaron. I I look forward to it just because – Usually that's the, the the one, not the one time, but one of the few times you get to see the, the player express how they really feel. And here you got to see exactly how he felt about the organization and his teammates. I, I thought it was a tremendous, tremendous speech. All right. So, and he blamed it on Ryan Ramchuk. He basically said that <laughs> uh, the reason he's retiring because now he feels good about the Saints offensive line and they can move forward. Uh, you put – Zach Streif's career into perspective. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was literally there for 12 years, and he talked about this early on in the speech, that he didn't even know if he was going to last a week in training camp, let alone 12 years. You look, when he was drafted in 2006, he was a seventh-round pick. And by the way, the Saints killed it that year. Yeah. Uh, Streif, a seventh-round pick. And then 41 uh, players later, Marcus Colston was also mm-hmm. drafted. To put it into perspective, what he has done in 12 years as a seventh-round pick, I think it was uh, Holder or Duncan had this stat, there have been 1,718 players selected in the seventh round since 1970. Of those 1,718 players, only 30 of those have played more games than Zach Streif in the history of the NFL. Wow. And that being 158 games and 94 starts with the Saints. Mm-hmm. So uh, it came about three-fourths of the way through his speech. He was uh, thanking a lot of different teammates and people that played a huge part in his career with the Saints. And, of course, then he comes to Drew Brees. Drew Brees is sitting in there with the reporters when Zach Streif makes these remarks. For the past eight years, I've played in front of the most prolific passer in NFL history. Drew Brees has been the single greatest motivation for me as a player. Every day I would walk into the building and pass Drew watching film. Every Thursday I would send him pictures of the menu so we could order his dinner since his work day ended four hours after ours. You've made countless sacrifices for your teammates, spent countless hours with us instead of your family. My greatest drive as a player was not to let you down. You're the greatest leader I've ever been around. 
and I admire you so much as a player, but more as a person. Being a small part of your Hall of Fame career has been my greatest honor as a player. I will miss being around you on a daily basis. Thank you for everything that you've done and continue to do. Mm. Being a small part of your Hall of Fame career, like that's that part gets me. Like just the fact that that's the highlight of my career is getting to be a part of your Hall of Fame career. What a great speech. And the fact that – another part that I love is the fact that he, he tells – he says, listen, when I, got, when I got there, Drew Brees was already watching tape. And when we left on Thursdays, he would stay for four extra hours just working and studying, preparing, game planning. They're out eating, and, of course, they're uh, then sending food back to Brees yeah. in the training complex. I saw, I was, I was, what a compliment. Like that's – those are the type of things that – you know, you hear about Drew Brees, but you don't hear it often. Like people, you remember how people used to talk about Peyton Manning and how he used to study the game. That became people talked about it so much, I got tired of hearing about it. But it's not the it's not the case with Drew Brees. Like you don't hear it that much. But yet here's this guy who who's played with him for like you said 12 years is retiring, and that's what he talks about is hey, behind closed doors you were the best leader I could have been around. And that I think that's why you saw Drew Brees get so emotional. On that point, that audio was from Fox 8 Sports. They sent me the, the feed down in New Orleans. And I've been in this spot before as the, the guy behind the camera, and you're trying to capture the moment. How do you pull the camera away from Zach Streif at that moment <laughs> and then go find Drew Brees? They did pull away and then focus on Drew Brees, and you could see his wife sitting there, and she was emotional, then literally – Drew Brees wiping away tears listening to his buddy Zach Streif retire from the National Football League. Yeah, that's, that's tremendous, man. That, really well done by Zach Streif. Uh, before that, he uh, referenced Sean Payton. It's not like he – Sean Payton wasn't over there uh, crying his head off, but you can <laughs> certainly tell that it touched him too. Here's Streif's remarks on his head coach and his general manager. I could not have been more fortunate than having Sean Payton as a head coach for the past 12 years. Your genius as an offensive mind and play caller are well documented. Your genius as a leader of men is only known by the fortunate few that have had the privilege of being around you in this building. I have the utmost respect for you. You had more to do with me getting an opportunity here than anyone else. You took a chance on me when no one else would. Your faith in me has changed my life forever. I will miss our meetings, talking about the team and about life. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me this opportunity. I've signed five contracts in New Orleans and restructured two of them. Every one of them started with a meeting in Mickey Loomis's office. This is a business that revolves around deception, constantly trying to outthink our opponents. The same can be true in the front office. In 12 years, not once did Mickey Loomis mislead me. Your honesty did not go unnoticed. These past few years, I've had the opportunity to share with you my view on so many different aspects of this organization. Thank you for the opportunity to feel so involved in every aspect of our building. You kept me around for a long time, admittedly to your own surprise. <laughs> if I was honest, I'd say it surprised me as well. Thank you for everything that you've given me. Well done, Zach Streif, after 12 years. Retiring from the National Football League, his presence in that leadership will be missed in the locker room. Yeah, and, and again, what a great speech. He made it personal. He touched on, on personal notes and, and gave you insight to his career and, and what these people meant to you. That was a great job by Streif. And it's not often that we actually get to hear one of these retirement speeches. He usually is just like, uh, he's moved on, he's retired. For the franchise to give him that opportunity also says a lot of what they think of him. True, and... If it wouldn't have been as good as it was, would we be playing it today? Uh, 12 years, but they got, what, his first five or six, he was just a reserve player. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to say it, but offensive linemen aren't, uh, you know, they're not viewed as a, as a running back or a receiver or quarterback. Even defenders, they're, they're the guys that, you know, don't get the glory. And so – if he wouldn't, if his speech wouldn't have been as good, we probably wouldn't have played yeah. it today. But it was tremendous. And, and typically, it, when people take a paper up there and are reading it verbatim from yeah. the, it's not that good. But man, it's awesome. Um, hopefully, they had that event yesterday. His press conference. There'll be another press conference coming later today. 
with Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, and of course Drew Brees sitting up there in front of the cameras discussing his new deal. Hmm. Quint says, though, how will Drew Brees look in a Vikings uniform? Saints better get it together quick. Yeah, hopefully there's something behind these rumors. Hopefully. Um, well, it's going to happen today. I mean, it has to. Because if not, they're going to take a huge hit against the salary cap. Yeah, it has to. Um, and like I said at the top of the show, there's some rumors that he's going to sign a two-year deal somewhere between 46 and 48 million. That's not confirmed, but the fact that you have some rumors floating around, I see that as a good sign for Saints fans. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Let's talk a little high school basketball. Two championship coaches joining us after the break. Welcome back to the morning drive on Sports Talk ninety seven seven. We continue to recap. The high school basketball season and, of course, three championship squads, including uh, Summerfield and their head coach, Randy Carlisle, joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Coach, have you had a chance to kind of take a, a deep breath and now put it, everything in perspective? Because it was certainly a long season for you and your squad. squads continue to coach both boys and girls. Yes, yeah, so it was a great year. Uh, you know, we'd won three in a row with the girls and then, uh, now we've won the last two out of three with the guys. And, and just to be able to go with 60, 70 games every year is, is real tiring, but it's uh, good when you love the sport and, and you uh, love kids. So it's uh, it's not that bad, but it's always better to be winning uh, than it is to be losing. So it's been a pretty enjoyable ride. And, you know, you got a little school and you got great kids, and uh, they really work. And uh, it just makes a guy like me look a lot better than I really am. So. I'm still excited. Summerfield's been known for basketball for quite some time. How is it and why is it that basketball is so popular and so successful in that community? Well, it just goes back to old tradition. You know, some schools have a lot of tradition. Um, and I was blessed when Mr. Scriber had asked me to come and, and uh, coach here. Uh, I'd been in Texas for about 25 years and, and uh, kind of semi-retired and then came back. Uh, it's just – it's. The people, the expectations here <clears throat> are always to win. And a lot of communities expectations for every kid to get to play. But here, the expectations here for their kids is to do what's right. Uh, you don't have any parental problems here in this school because they, the expectations, you just go get it. And while you're playing, you have to go play hard. Or I don't have to get on to them. You know, the parents will get on to them, or grandma will get on to them, and you know, there's no disrespect. Uh, the school is an awesome school. Here's a little school up on the hill, you know, North Louisiana. And we don't have fights. We don't have the drug issues. We don't have anything. It's just a great, great atmosphere in a small community who has a lot of pride in uh, in the basketball. A lot of coaches out there want to know uh, kind of how you're able to juggle this when you're doing both boys and girls. Then also, do you have to change your uh, coaching style a little bit? <clears throat> no. You know, my dad, excuse me, my dad, when he retired, he was like the third wingest coach in, in America. And, and he always told me, he said, you just guard people. And then you run what your personnel will let you run. You know, in today's time, a lot of basketball teams, they just got one style. and They're just going to run, first one, shoot it. But he taught me about rhythms. And so all this plays into a part on both the girls and the boys as far as the rhythm, the spacing, in which we play nothing but man. And, uh, we try to forfeit areas, and so they load the system because the girls in there watching the guys, and then when they get through, the girls come on the floor. So they're sitting there watching it as well, and me trying to teach angles and, and the pressure. and, and uh, So anyway, it's, it's, it's not that hard, but you have to be highly organized uh, with the drills and combine all the drills kind of into one. And Our practices don't last really that long. They're not but about an hour and 15 minutes each. Uh, but they're really, really uh, organized, and, and uh, so anyway, it's it's not that bad. Do the two programs then kind of feed off each other? Just to, you know, one has this success, and the other one almost wants to outdo the other one. Well, it's just so competitive because you know the girls don't want to go down the hallway saying, "Oh, the guys did all this." Yeah. And last year, you know, in the in the state tournament. Uh, the girls that won their third one in a row, and then the guys that already won one, now they're on their second one. And we blow that big lead last year, and some of our kids foul out, and then we actually play not to lose. 
and when we lost, uh, it was it was real quiet here amongst the girls and boys. And then the girls this year at the beginning of school year, there were some little remarks about them. you know they were just picking at each other, yeah. but. I knew from the beginning that the guys I felt like was going to win it, even though we lost everybody off the team last year, top seven out of eight players, and we just had the Bucks kid coming back. I just had a feeling that we were going to we were going to win it. And the boys, the girls, I thought we could win it again, but we lost our center. She moved off, and then another girl graduated. And then we had three eighth graders on the floor a lot. But it's just it's just they're all just so competitive, and they talk, and then they, you know, they just compete against each other and basically in practice sometimes I let the girls just come in here and do drills and with them and it's just real competitive but the bottom line is they know it's Summerfield and they're going to pull for each other and they want everybody to do good and speaking of bugs uh, we got a text here on the text line how much interest is uh, John Bugs generating from the college level well you know he's a sleeper and uh you know, back in the day, nobody wanted Rennie Bailey that played at Tech, and he played with me as a youngster. He was like a freshman maybe when I was a senior at Menden. And uh, I had signed with Tech and then left, but nobody wanted Rennie Bailey. And my dad went and told Coach Russo. He said, hey, here's a guy that can guard somebody. He can, he can, he can help you big time. And Andy Russo took Rennie Bailey, and then Rennie Bailey started those four years at Tech. Well, I've got a kid here, John Bugs, who's 6'3", and I feel like he's still going to grow. And if he becomes a six-five shooting guard, I mean, this kid can shoot like 45% from the three. He can touch the top of the square. He's smooth as silk. He can he can pass it. And inside that three-point line, I mean, this kid can really guard. And so I'm just sitting here in Summerfield. And, you know, we played some of the bigger schools and beat them, uh, but uh, just kind of going unnoticed. Uh, some of the schools that looked at him, but they didn't have room for him. Uh, at the beginning of the year, but then everybody just kind of got off, and nobody called, nobody would say anything. So I had uh, I have a call in now to Coach uh, Sutton at Texas Tech, and then I was going to call Coach Sampson at Houston, and and then uh, Danny Henderson at Tulsa. I was just going to make the calls because we have a good reputation as a coach of placing kids, and I just feel like this kid is one of the biggest sleepers in the country, uh, and for him not to be recruited. Heavily, it just kind of just kind of floors me. But right now, I think Grambling, Grambling State is coming after him, and I know uh, Louisiana College is coming in here in a couple of days. Uh, I think uh, some teams in South Texas, Texas Southern, they've they've expressed an interest. But I think he's he's a mid-major right now, and I think if he grow, he grows, he's he's gonna it's gonna be between the mid and the high, and I'm putting some statements because I've coached some great players from Texas. I mean, I've coached some that went to Drake, to Princeton, to NBA, to whatever. So I think he's up there with them. And I'm just, I just know whoever gets him, uh, it's going to be a pretty awesome feeling because he knows how to win. You know, a lot of players get out there and they play high school ball, but they don't know how to win. And they, number one, number two, they don't know how to share the ball because when you go to college, you got to have those other guys where they want to play with you. And Bugs, Bugs is so unselfish. He's going to want everybody getting him the ball because he's going to get them the ball. And plus, he's a 4.0 student. Bugs with 32 points in that championship game. From a coach who's won countless state championships, including winning uh, boys and girls in 2016, what are the best moments of a championship game that he enjoy the most? <clears throat> I enjoy it because of our priorities here because the priorities are good, and uh, we get to pray every day before practice, after practice, and these kids, they go to church, they're godly kids, and it's just a, spiritually it's so big for us because to see how they've worked and run the same system. I mean, they run the same system. They just go get you. And, you know, in both a lot of the state final games that we won big, in girls and boys, that man-to-man pressure just wore somebody out. And that's what's so special here is you have to have special type of kids that are going to spill their guts out every game, every practice to get better. And that's what summer feels about with these kids and about this community. And they believe they believe in me and I believe in them. And as a result, it's a, it's, it matches into 
a great old tradition of, of Summerfield basketball. Coach Carl, uh, we're getting a couple of texts here. Uh, people or, or athletes that have been a part of your Ultimate 7 training program. What does that consist of, and how has that kind of blossomed over the last couple of years? Well, it's fixing to go nationally. Uh, I worked out a kid named John J.B. Gallette, the guy most valuable player in 5A. I've had him for two years, and it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's a tire program, and it's not flipping the tires and dragging the tires and all that. I have station work. And it's a functional workout that works every intrinsic muscle. And every, every station on this workout, which is 36 stations, is a core. <clears throat> and this produces the quickness, the balance, the coordination, uh, vertical. I can work them out seven weeks, and they can get a seven-inch vertical, which is unheard of. Uh, I worked out Kiki Mingo, some of those in Monroe. I worked out West Monroe High School football. Uh, and now I've worked these kids out since, well, my program has been since 2010 with this, and I've won seven state championships now with this program. And it's just phenomenal because it, it, I don't have to go to a weight room. And I know the world is weights, and that's good. But, but being able to do this, I know how to maintain that strength during basketball. I'm not a smart person to know in January and February when it's crunch time we're winding down, and you've got to have fresh legs. You've got to maintain strength to put a wiry kid that's real wiry as a shooter into a weight room. But I do know how to do it here because the elasticity of all the muscles here stay so so uniform and fit, and they're strong. And as a result, you'll notice in the second half of every game we play, I mean, we can get down and guard and keep arms out. And that's how we do the program because most high school teams, even college teams, they can't sit down in a, in a defensive stance and keep an arm out when they cross half court to get a five-second count or to be in a passing lane at all times. And that's what this allows us to do to get that edge. So as a result, I've, I've worked out numerous people. Uh, Bernard King is in Europe now playing. I've worked him out every summer. It's gave him two more years of playing uh, pro ball, um, high school kids now starting to call from from everywhere, all over the state, trying to come in. Uh, and I have a I live in a schoolhouse. I live in Athens, Louisiana, in a school that they shut down. I end up buying it, and so we we reconditioned the gym, which is a super little gym. And then I have a, a swimming pool in there and an infrared sauna and, and a hot tub stuff like that. So I come in, I start training people. In fact, we start back Wednesday. And it's just a cool program that develops the human body to where you can you start with the intrinsic muscles and then you go to the big muscles. So it's been a blessing to me. I got it spiritually through a prayer, and uh, it's been really good to me and my program and the people that do this program. Sounds fascinating. Sounds like I need to take a trip up there. I can only imagine what you do for a 47-year-old man. You know, we've, t we've worked people out that had MS to a 70-year-old man that's come in there three times doing this, and uh, he walked out of there. So I went and got Dr. Bundrick and Dr. Anglin to come in and study the program, and they looked at each other afterwards and said, this is the most complete body workout we've ever seen. And it was nothing about me because I got it through prayer because I'm a big plyometric-type person jumping in all on boxes, and one of the kids split his jaw open. I said, that's it. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so I was walking outside of gym, and I saw this tire, and it just stared at me. And then I went home and got in the Word, started praying. Next morning, I had a vision of how to do this. And this is the program that we've done, and I call it Ultimate 7 because 7 is God completion number. And, and that's we have seven tires, and there's 27 second stations, and then there's seven seconds in between each station. And that's how... I didn't know how much a vertical we could get, and so we said, let's just go seven weeks. And so I had two college players come to me, and one was a real good athlete, one was a normal athlete, and we did the program for seven weeks. And it, uh, one had a seven-and-a-half, one had a six-and-a-half, so it comes out to be seven inches. And mm -hmm. so everything became seven. And uh, so it's pretty cool workout. And I can do any age from from seven years old, up to 70 years old because you can modify it 
and it's all about where you put your your arms when you do workouts and how you get that explosiveness. Hmm. Good stuff, Coach. Congratulations on another championship season. We certainly appreciate the time. Yes, sir. Thank you all very much. Have a blessed day. Coach, Coach Randy Carlisle from Summer Trip. That was fascinating. I don't know about you, but I love listening to people talk about different ways yeah. to work out. Um, in fact, a lot of podcasts I listen to actually are, are about that. But, uh, yeah, I would lo- I, I kind of want to make the trip now and, and check this you out. You just want to see the old schoolhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that, that is really interesting, really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. It, it's I think working out, too, is what I found out is, is like, I need to change it up a lot. And so I usually like to grab – one or two things from different people and just try to mix it up so yeah would love to uh take them up on that invite let's take a time out coming up next damon west from rabel joins us where does this undefeated hornet squad match up with some of the great teams over the course of the last two decades we'll ask him mm. after the break welcome back to the morning drive aaron and jake hanging out here in the caldwell banker group on realty studio in west Monroe. our run of championship coaches continues with rabel's damon west he joins us on the stewart shovel state farm hotline coach how you doing this morning bud hey good morning well first of all uh what have the last couple of days meant to you and the rabel hornets as you guys continue to celebrate the school's first state championship since 2001 Man, I, I, I tell you, man, it's been a, a dream come true. I'm still thanking God for that blessing, man, because you just can't do that on your own. I mean, <laughs> you know, not playing a season and not losing a game is the part that's, that's still unbelievable. All right, heading into the year, you knew you had a pretty salty and special team. When, at what point did you think, well, perhaps we can run the table and go unbeaten? Well, when we, we got down to the Don Ridden. You know, and after after the done red, and we kind of figured, you know, we kind of started looking at, well, maybe we may not lose a game. Uh, we had some close games in the red, and you know that that we got past those, and and once we did that, we knew we had a chance to do something special. The LHSA didn't count them, but we certainly do. The the victory against Riverside, what did that mean for the confidence of your team and to continue to keep the unbeaten record in fans' minds? Well, going down the Riverside, you know, I told my coaches, I said, man, one thing we'll find out, you know, we'll find out how good they are and we'll find out how good we really are. And, um, you know, going down playing that game and the type of environment, you know, a lot of rabble people came out and it, it really showed us, you know, where we measured up. And from from that point forward, we, we really knew we had a special, special group. Well, Coach West, we just go back to that that week when you were on the show with this, and at the point, what was Riverside ranked uh, ninth ninth in, in the country? And your comments at that point were where you basically just said, "We're not going to be scared of them. We think we're the better team." Correct? Yeah, uh, we. You know, we. One thing about it, man, you look at film, and you know, film will tell the story. It, it will tell how you match up with people. And that's that's what we usually use, you know. We we looked at that and we saw well uh, some of the things that they didn't do well. We thought, and we just tried to exploit that. And, and we knew Riverside was ranked that number, but we we knew they didn't have the six eight, the six ten, the you know the big big guys. So we knew we had a chance to to play with them. And uh, once the game got started, we really saw well well you know. They weren't as good as we really thought they were. And, and we played well. We played well. So, you know, anytime, we always thought when we were shooting the ball well, we always had a chance in the game because we always brought defense to the table. So, you know, you catch us on a night when we're hitting shots, I, you know, I knew we, we, we could do some good things. You were not challenged, of course, in, in district play. Then you go into the postseason, you cruise through the first three rounds. And then all of a sudden, the semifinals, Things aren't going uh, like accordingly or like they have for the majority of your year. Uh, were you worried at all with that game versus Red River? Well, I was wor- yeah, I was worried about some of the things we weren't doing. You know, some things we, we've done all year, and then you get to that point and you say, man, what, what happened to the blackout? What happened to, you know, and you go in at halftime and you talk to the guys and, you know, you, you try to make some adjustments. And, you know, we were just blessed to get out of that one. What was the message to the team then going into the championship game versus North Carolina? Well, it was pretty simple, Aaron. I mean, you know, 
I told him, I said, guys, we, you know, the last game we lost was right here. Matter of fact, they gave us the same locker room we had when we lost the finals. So that made it even easier to motivate them. And they, they actually remember where they were sitting when the game was over. So all of that played a big part in, in how they felt, and, and it gave them that drive and that extra edge to go out and, and try to complete the mission. And just see them then come out and as focused they are and start playing rival basketball like we've seen the majority of the year, it had to be a relief for you and a joy to watch them go out like that. Oh, man, it's funny you say that. I, I told uh, Coach Terry Martin called me yesterday, and I was talking to him. And I told him, I said, Terry, I prayed for that game not to be closed. I said, man, I can't take another game like the semifinal game. And, you know, we laughed about it. But, man, it, it, when they came out, and uh, we hit a few shots early, and, you know, we got some steals. I knew it would be a, a, a pretty good game. So that, that, right, that Damon, worked out for us. What did that mean, then uh, taking that trophy back into the locker room and getting to celebrate this with your team and, of course, your players? Uh, it, it was big, man. It was big. It was something we worked for. You know, you, you look at you come out in the summer and you do all your workouts, go to your team camp, and at the end you want to hold up that trophy. And, you know, and even with that, you want to hold up that trophy and you don't lose in the game. Adding on to it is, is very special. You didn't want to get into this dialogue and this discussion with us during the season, but now you look at Rabel, you finish up the year unbeaten. Uh, are you guys the best team in the state of Louisiana? Well, I, I you know, as I look back on it and look at some of the teams we played and who they beat, you know, I go out on the limb and say I, I take Rabel over anybody. You mentioned Terry Martin, and of course, uh, now you got people having conversations where this Rabel team needs to be ranked in Northeast Louisiana history, perhaps over the last two decades. You're a basketball historian, a fanatic. You look at your guys' team. Uh, how do you think you would match up against uh, Terry Martin's squad? You know, when he had, you know, his son Terry Martin, Storm Warren, Kenneth Cooper, perhaps against the Washita squads back in the day, or even a Carroll squad or two. I tell you what, I, I don't, you know, it's kind of hard to compare because it's different times, but, hey, I think it'll be some good games. You know, Terry's had some great teams at Richwood, and they've done it over a period of time. You know, White Sox had some uh, good ones. Carroll had some good teams. So, you know, hey, we, we've been comparing it with the, the championship team of 2001 in Raver. So we've been, you know, you have guys arguing that fact. But, man, you can compare them all. You know, I think they all were good squads in their own time. And I don't know. You know, you just, you know, you never know. I know that's good for radio and conversation, but, man, it's sort of hard to compare. That was a politically correct answer from Coach Damon West there. Well, <laughs> Coach, since we're talking hypotheticals here, how do you think your team would match up with Madison Prep this year? I know a lot of people would love to see that matchup. I tell you, I don't know. I, I thought about that after I, we stayed and watched Madison Prep and Peabody. And, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to play them this year, but I think that would have been a real good game. I mean, to say who would have won, I don't know. But I think it would have been the same as last year as far as down to the wire. And, you know, at the end, hey, man, it came down to one shot. But, hey, I don't know. That would have been a good one. The beauty of it is a majority of your squad is coming back. Uh, how much fun is this team going to be to coach next year? And then also – what do you do with the schedule to, to up it and, of course, challenge these guys for their senior year? Well, it's going to be special. Um, you know, I'm glad we have those guys coming back. We got a couple of out-of-town tournaments. Uh, one, we're going to Illinois to play in the Tournament of Champions during the uh, Thanksgiving holidays next year. So that that's one, and uh, we got some more things we're looking at. But, man, I'm just glad to have them back. Uh, Somebody else asked me that question the other day. I told, the, the answer I, I actually gave him was, man, I don't even want to think about next year. I'm going fishing in the next few days, and I'm going to enjoy that, and we'll talk about it when I get back. So, you know, we we glad to have those guys back, and we, you know, we'll look forward to it when it gets closer. All right, two players I want to ask you about. Uh, Nashawn Ellis and, of course, how he blew up this year. What do you see in his future? Because I know that the progression – the way he upped his game from last year to this year was phenomenal. Yeah, he, he, he I, uh, I tell people, man, he's the most improved kid I've ever seen uh, at any school. I mean, he, he came from one year to the next. He was a totally different player. And, uh, it, it, you know, he has schools looking at him right now. He's weighing his options. And he'll definitely play college basketball somewhere next year.
All right, the recruiting war to get Malik Wilson. He's going to be one of the highest recruited players coming out of this area in a long, long time. What's it look like right now? Man, he has them lined up. I mean, he's talking to, you know, different people talking to him, and they're calling me, and, you know, he he has a 3.8 GPA, and he'll be able to make a, a decision on where he wants to go. Uh, the thing about Malik, you know, he, like most players, man, he, he needs to go somewhere where he can play instantly, and, and that's going to be the push. And it may be a lot of those schools that he'll have a chance to do that, but, you know, that's what he's going to kind of look at, and, uh He's going to wear it out with his mother, and, and you know, we'll sit down and, and figure it out. But he, he's definitely uh, on the top of a lot of schools' list. Damon West, congratulations on this state championship. Enjoy it, and good luck fishing this weekend. Hey, man, thank you all for the coverage all year long. Thanks a lot. You bet, bud. Appreciate it. Hey. Good stuff from Damon West. Always good stuff from Coach West. He won't go down that road, though. He didn't. He, he is a little more politically correct this time, but that's okay. Um, and talking about Malik, though, yeah. what what are your projections? Do you think Will Wade gets him? He's been – I mean, he's obviously been in heavy pursuit for him this year. I mean, from what everything you understand, Will Wade's starting to go. They haven't officially offered him yet. Right. And, of course, now other schools are coming on, and he knew this was going to happen. I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is, of course, the One summer. Offer and, and, these, and if he continues to develop his game and blow up and, of course, then show it against competition across the country in these uh, different tournaments, I mean, there's no telling. But the thing with Malik, his game is kind of unassuming. You know he's the best player on the court, but at certain points I think he gets his, his teammates so involved in the game yeah. – He's so unselfish that sometimes you forget he's out there. Then all of a sudden, well, he can turn there will on. be a spurt of yeah. a, a minute or two, and you're like, whoa, what he, did we just he see? He turns it on, and you clearly go, oh, yeah. that's the best player <laughs> on the court right there. And I don't even know if it's turning on. He's playing hard. We're not trying to say he's being lackluster, no, but, but he's he, just he, being a part of the system and a part of, of course, getting everybody involved. Meaning he was, goes out there and gets his. Yeah. When he goes out there and gets his, you're like, oh, okay. No, but he is a very unselfish player, and I think that's what makes him – the player he is. I mean, he he's fun to watch because he is so unselfish. And of course, all those kids are unselfish. He mentioned uh, Ellis and uh, what that kid has done this year and how his game has evolved. Yeah, uh, man, he's got it all. Yeah, they they were they were a fun group to watch, man. They're gonna be fun to watch next year too. Uh, the thing is, and some people saw that semifinal game and how they struggled. They did, of course, get the victory, but of course, then that gives the other schools and the other argument, well, perhaps they aren't the best team in the state because of the issues that they had in the semifinal. Yeah, game. but that's just all talk, man. Yeah. Like, let's talk. Well, that's what the, this whole conversation I'm saying, is. That's this talk that we're doing now. I mean, does yeah. it affect whether or not people view Rayville as the best? I don't know. But I really do wish we could have seen Madison. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.